called me the cuddly cowboy, the darling devil, and in Puerto Rico, El Macho Caliente. I'm not here for anything long-term, no boyfriend, girlfriend, him and her, prince or princesses, no happily ever after. I'm just looking for, let me put it to you this way. My name is an Elmo, but you can tickle me anytime you want. You know why they call these eyebrows? Because these eyes have been browsing you all night. Wow. I don't know about you, but that felt a little bit awkward. It might even have created a little bit of tension in your heart. But do you know, the sad reality is, is that's how most of our culture views sex. You know, I, I'm just in it for a, a good time. I don't want the commitment. I don't want the relationship or the emotions. I just want to have a really fun experience. And that is how our culture views sex. And I want to warn you up front, that is our topic this morning. And so if you have a child, fifth grade and below, man, I would really encourage you to check your kids into the kids' ministry. Because maybe you haven't had that conversation or you don't want to have that conversation today. And so we have amazing kids' ministry. Um, I promise you, your kids will be cared for and taught the Word of God. In fact, you know, there's only one thing you might have a problem with with our kids' ministry. Maybe you don't come to Northridge Church on a regular basis. Well, I can tell you, if you check your kids into our kids' ministry, they're going to beg to come back every single week. And so I just want to warn you, if you need time to do that, you can go ahead and get up right now and check your kids in. We are ready. We would love to have them. And so sex is, it's an awkward topic, and I think... Some of it, we just have to embrace the awkwardness. And some of us, we even think, like, are we even supposed to have this conversation in church? I mean, sex is kind of that taboo topic that you just kind of steer clear of, right? And so that's what we think. Like, man, I, 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 should we be having this conversation in church? And some of us as parents, we don't really look forward to that awkward conversation with our middle school or our high school where we have to talk to them about sex, and all the teenagers are like, Mom, Dad, no, like, ah. But let me tell you, it gets even worse when you get married and your parents think it's okay to make sexual jokes and comments. It's like, Mom, Dad, no, ah. But that's our topic today. So if you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to provide one for you. It's going to be on page 927 in one of our Bibles. And as you're turning there, you're finding your way in Scripture. I want to welcome you to Northridge Church. Thanks for being here this morning. Whether you're joining us from one of our campuses at Webster, Greece, or Arondacoit, I want to send a special welcome to Henrietta as they begin their soft launch services. We're excited for October 15th when we have our grand opening at our fourth campus or whether you're joining us online, we're thrilled and honored to have you this morning. And we're winding down a series today, a series called It's Not You, It's Me, where we've been talking about relationships. And really what in this series, what we've been doing is just breaking cultural norms, cultural norms that are really affecting our relationships, and we're steering ourselves away from culture, but for what God has for our lives. 
And some of us are going to ask the question, man, why are we talking about sex in church? And I think we fail to realize, I think we fail to recognize that God created sex. He's the inventor of it. He's the one who came up with it. God created sex. And we find this in actually Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. We've been in Genesis a lot in this series because really this is where relationships started. This is where marriage started. This is where sex started. And we find in Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, this is what it says. It says, so God created him in his own image. The image of God he created, a male and female he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So God created male and female, and he gives them this command. Be fruitful and multiply. Now, if you just kind of put that into 2017 language, we would say, Have sex and make babies. That is what God is calling Adam and Eve to do. In the context of their marriage, he says, hey, I want you to have sex and fill the earth with relationships, with people. And so we recognize that God created sex, but he gives us some specific matters to talk about in this passage. You see, we have to understand that sex is a matter of divine design for a husband and a wife. You see that in this passage that he says he created them male and female. And to be honest, in 2017, this isn't really a popular statement. In our culture today, this is a pretty controversial thing to talk about, that God created sex for a male and a female in the context of marriage. And maybe you're new to Northridge Church and you're checking us out. You've been coming for, maybe this is your first Sunday, or maybe you've been coming for a couple months or a couple years and you're still trying to figure us out. But I want you to know something about our church, is we will always stand on the word of God. We will always stand on the truth of what God says, even if it's not very popular. Even if we wish God said something else, we will always come back to what his word says. And his word says sex was designed for a male and female in the context of marriage. It's a divine design created by God Almighty. But that leads us really to this final question about sex. Like, what's the purpose Why did God create sex? We see sex was designed to create intimacy in marriage. Sex was designed to create this word, intimacy. Now that word is almost a little antiquated, old-fashioned. and We don't really use intimacy, that word, very often in our language today. What the heck does it mean? You see, intimacy means to know and to be fully known. You see, in a marriage, it's this deep level of relationship where you know your spouse at the deepest level possible. Intimacy. And God uses sex to create intimacy. You almost hear it in the the word. You almost hear the definition in in the word intimacy. Into you, I see. You see, that's what it means in a relationship, in a marriage, to, to establish intimacy is to know your spouse at a really deep level. And God creates that through sex in really two specific ways. The first one is the pleasure of sex. Man, praise the Lord. I mean, this is where should everybody at all of our campuses should just say, amen. Because God created sex in the context of marriage to be a pleasurable experience. And it's designed to bring a husband and wife together, not just physically, but emotionally It's designed to create a bond between a husband and wife to create intimacy. 
You realize this, that God created a lot of things, animals, humans. And we're one of the few who actually have sex and have a pleasurable experience. Most animals, it's just for reproduction. But yet God blessed us with this pleasurable experience to create this intimacy in our relationship. It also happens a second way. First, sex creates intimacy through pleasure. But secondly, sex creates intimacy through the relationships that it creates. Man, I think of my daughters. I remember that moment when both of them were born. And maybe you've been there before where I don't know what it was, but in those moments where I watched my little girls being born, I was drawn to my wife. It created this intimacy in our relationship that I can't explain. It's a gift from God. And as you, you as parents, you watch your children grow up and you celebrate in the joys of their life, it creates this bond between a husband and wife, and God gave us that through sex because it's supposed to to establish this level of intimacy in our relationships. But something's gone wrong. Something's been distorted because what God made to be good in our lives and in our marriages, it's been perverted. It's been distorted. And what was designed to create intimacy is actually tearing our relationships apart. Because what's happened is we've taken sex, our culture, the enemy has taken sex, and we've now replaced it for just this physical experience, this just physical act. And that's really the final myth that we're going to look at in this series is that sex is only physical. It's only just this good time, you know, that's how our culture views it. It's like, hey, you know, I just, I just, I don't want any strings attached. I don't want any relationships. I just want to have a a fun time. I just want to hook up. Like, let's leave the emotions aside and let's just have a really good time. And there's a problem with that thinking because it's destroying and wreaking havoc on our relationships. And we find that problem in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Paul says this. He says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. So Paul says, run, flee from sexual immorality. Why? I mean, that seems like it would be almost enticing. It seems like it almost would be fun. But Paul says to run from sexual sin. Why? Well, he says because all. That's a pretty big word. All other sins are committed outside of the body. But when you sin sexually, you actually harm your own body. And here's what Paul is getting at. He says, when you sin sexually, you hurt yourself at the deepest level imaginable. It's something that will stick with you and stay with you. And what's interesting is culture is actually proving God's word. Studies are actually proving God's word to be true. My wife is a registered nurse. And when we moved to New York, she had to take her license from Georgia and transfer it over to New York. And actually, she's kind of caught up in the midst of this process. And this week, she had to take a couple tests. And one of those tests was on sexuality. Sexuality and how it affects people. And it was really on the topic of arousal, how men are struggling in our culture from 17 to 60 being aroused. And in a hospital study, Do you know what the number one reason is? Internet pornography. Because when you sin sexually, 
you harm your own body. And that's what Paul is trying to get across. And we all have to understand that the effects of sexual sin run deep. The pain and the hurt of sexual sin runs deep. And when we look at sex as only physical, we only get a small taste of what God created it to be. Now, I know someone's going to push back and be like, I don't know, Drew. Sex just seems pretty physical to me. Like, I, I'm just not sure. But if sex is only physical, let me ask you this. If sex is really only physical, why then, when a child is sexually abused, does it affect them for the rest of their life? Why then, when a child is abused by someone they trust, why does it haunt them for the rest of their life? Why can't they get rid of it? Why can't they shake it? If it was just a physical act, like, hey, when it's done, it's over with, right? But why does it stay with that child for the rest of their life? If sex is only physical, why is rape so much more devastating to a woman than being beat up? Why is rape haunting women who are innocent why isn't it just the same as, you know, being beat up, just physical acts? Like, no big deal, right? If sex is only physical, why are the majority of our regrets sexual in nature? Things that haunt us, decisions that we've made in the past that we, we just wish we could get back. Because the truth today is sex is not just some physical experience. God created it to be so much more. And the sting and the stain from sexual sin leaves lasting scars. The sting and the stain, the pain and the hurt from sexual sin, it leaves lasting scars that some people can't get over, that some hang with people for the rest of their lives. You know, let me put it to you like this. You see, if you look at this, this couple pieces of paper, through the lens of the physical side. See, all this is is eight and a half by 11 pieces of paper with writing on it. I mean, how much can that really mean to somebody, right? Physically in nature, this means nothing. Let's throw it away. Let's put it in the garbage. It wouldn't bother anybody. But if you did that, you would crush my wife. Because on this piece of paper, yes, it's physical, but there's a whole lot more. You see, on this piece of paper is love and emotion, tears, a heart crying out to someone they love. You see, on this piece of paper, this is the first letter that I ever wrote my fiance, expressing how much I loved my future wife. But it's just a piece of paper from the physical aspect. Not that big of a deal, but when you get behind the emotion that's tied to these pages, it changes everything. And that's the truth with sex today, is when we view it as just this sexual experience, we miss out on all that God created it to be. We miss out on the intimacy he wants to create in our marriage. We miss out on the bond that he's trying to create between a husband and a spouse. And there's a problem with that thinking. And so the question really is, is what's the solution? If culture believes this, what does God say? 
And we find this, again, in Corinthians. Paul goes back a verse, and he says this. He says, do you not know, in verse 16, he says, do you not know that he who unites himself with the prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two shall become one flesh, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Now, what's interesting is Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, and they viewed sex as only physical. They were in a culture where there were orgies all over the place. They lived in a culture where sex, you could just hook up with a prostitute, no big deal, because sex was just this physical act. And Paul reminds them, he reminds the Christian church that they should be different, and he reminds them, hey, I want you to understand something. When you unite yourself, when he says that word unite, he means sexually. He says when you unite yourself with a prostitute, in the original language, that word unite, it means like gluing yourself together. When you have sex with somebody, according to God's eyes, that word unite is almost like you gluing yourself to your spouse. And he says when you unite yourself with a prostitute, you become one with her. Because that's what God's design for in sex is. We talked about it last week. The miraculous happens when a husband and a wife, before God, say, I do. The two no longer are two, but they become one in flesh. And Paul is reminding of them. And he says, hey, when you sleep with the prostitute or you have casual sex, you unite yourself. You glue yourself together with that person. And when you glue yourself together with someone who's not your spouse, it messes everything up. Here's what he's getting at. You were designed to become one with only one. You were designed to become one with only one. Now, I know, I know. It's old-fashioned, right? I mean, come on, Drew. It's 2017. You're telling me I'm only supposed to have sex with one person. I mean, how am I supposed to know that I'm physically compatible with somebody? I mean, how am I supposed to know that it's going to work out? How am I supposed to know that, like, hey, it's like a car. You kind of got to test drive it to make sure everything works, right? And that is how we think, even in the church. That is how we think sexually. Is hey, practice makes perfect, right? And culture has been teaching us that lie. And what's been happening is... It's wrecking our marriages. It's blowing up our dating relationships because when you have sex before you should, it puts this pressure on a relationship and all that pressure mounts. It brings comparisons into a relationship. And God says, I designed you. I designed you to become one with only one. In fact, what's even more interesting is culture is beginning to realize that God's word is actually true, that his way is best. In 2012, they did a study at a university. They did a study, and what they did is they compared college students. They compared college students who were regularly engaging in sex like it was a physical experience. And they compared them to other college students who weren't. They were saving themselves for their future spouse. And here's what they found to be true. People who engage in more hookups had greater psychological distress College students who recently engaged in casual sex reported lower levels of self-esteem, life satisfaction, and happiness compared to those who had not. It's old-fashioned, right? I mean, come on, Drew. But do you realize when you do things God's way, it's the best way? 
Do you realize when you trust in God and his path for your relationships that it will actually bring your life purpose and meaning, even though it might not feel like it? Here it is. The study is right here, 2012. That's, what, really five years ago. And it says people who, in, who looked at sex physically, guess where it led them? To places where they had no self-esteem, where they were searching for purpose and jacked up relationships. Something's wrong with the way culture views sex. You were designed to become one with one. And really, ultimately, what we're looking for is romance. I mean, we want romance in our marriage. We want romance in our dating relationships. Like, we want it like the notebook brings it. We want it like the movies. They, they make us feel like, wow, butterflies, and it's beautiful. We all, we all want romance, right? And if you want to enhance your romance in your marriage, and you want to set yourself up for romance in your future marriage, if you want to enhance your romance, practice exclusivity. Practice exclusivity. And what that means is it means putting restrictions in your life for one person. See, if you're single today, you're single. You're in the dating game. Whether you're young or older, you're single. You know what this means for you? Is if you want to create romance in your future relationship, save yourself for that future spouse. Save yourself for the person who you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Because you want to know something? One of the greatest gifts I was ever able to give my wife wasn't a diamond ring. It wasn't that moment where I got on one knee and I said, will you be with me for the rest of your, my life? And I gave her a diamond ring. One of the best gifts I was able to give my wife was I was able to look her in the eyes and say, I waited for you. I I wanted, there was moments where I was tempted. There were times where I didn't think it was worth it. But when I looked into the eyes of the woman I wanted to spend the rest of my life with as a single person, and I was able to say, I waited for you. I'm able to give all of me to all of you. You see, this is what exclusivity says. Exclusivity says, I only have eyes for you. What about you, husbands? Can you say that today? You know, honey, there's a lot of beautiful women in the world, but no one does it like you for me. You have eyes only for your wife. Where, hey, I know, I know there's a lot of beautiful women, but baby, let me tell you something. You're the one who gets me going. What about you ladies? You only have eyes for your husband? Like, I know in the magazine, that guy has a six-pack, and he looks really good, but baby, no one fires me up like you do. Exclusivity says, you know what, hey, when you go on a business trip, husband or wife, I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about anything because I trust you. I don't have to worry about the conversations that you're having. And you know what that does? It creates romance, being able to trust your spouse. Because I know a lot of couples right now I know a lot of couples right now that when their partner goes on a business trip, whether it's the husband or the wife, they stay at home and they worry all the time about the conversations they're having and the decisions they're making. And you know what that does? That decreases romance. Exclusivity enhances romance. This is what it says. It says, I am able to give all of me to all of you, and I've been waiting for you, and I've been praying for you. 
You want to increase your romance. Practice exclusivity. The question is, how do we get there? Obviously, I think we can all agree, man, sex is more than just being physical. There's emotions tied there. But how do we get to the place where we exchange what culture has lied to us about, and how do we step into what God has for us? And Paul gives us that. Verse 19, he says this, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Paul takes us back to the gospel. He says, you got to remember that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You see, if you believe in Christ, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. You were bought with the price, and your body is not your own. And then Paul says these words. He says, therefore, honor God with your bodies. You see, this really isn't about a list of do's and don'ts. It's about honoring God with your body. It's about honoring God with your sexuality. And for some of us, if we're married today, you know what that means? Maybe just having more sex. I mean, I know that sounds weird, and I know that's awkward in church, but do you realize that God created sex for you in your marriage to have intimacy? Don't shy away from it. Embrace it. Get a little crazy with it with your spouse. Some of you are going to come back to church just because I said those words today. Like, I love this church. But I'm serious. If you're married today, God gave you sex as a gift. Look at your children as a gift. Look at the pleasure that God gave you through sex and embrace it. Don't shy away from it. You know, I've counseled a few married couples. What's interesting is when problems arise, guess what's one of the first things to go? Sex. Because the instant intimacy starts to leave. If you're single, maybe you're right now, you're having sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend. And I challenge you to make a commitment today. Say, I'm going to honor God with my body, and I'm going to wait for my future husband or my future wife. And it might seem old-fashioned, but I promise you, it will save you from a lot of heartache in your marriage. And there's a couple things I want us to understand as we kind of wind down this morning. There's a couple things I really want us to understand. The first thing is this. I want you to understand that today is a new day. Today is a new day. I know this to be true. When you preach on a topic like this, for some of us, all it does is remind us of all the poor choices we've made. For a lot of us, it just reminds us of a lot of regret in our life. Maybe it was that affair. Maybe it was when you abused a child. Maybe it was when you gave yourself away and you didn't really think you should. And what happens is when we talk about a topic like this, a lot of guilt and shame kind of wells up and we feel unworthy. And what the enemy does is he likes to remind us of all our past regrets to keep us chained to where we are today. He reminds you of your mistakes and he whispers in your ear, yeah, you, you messed up big time. You can't have that godly man or woman. He whispers in your ear, yeah, your marriage won't make it because you made a huge mistake. And we buy those lies the devil whispers in our ear because we feel guilty and we feel ashamed from past regrets. 
But I'm telling you today, we serve a God who gives us grace. We serve a Savior who says, I put my life on the line so you will no longer stay chained to your past regrets, but today will be a new day for you and you can step into a new path that God has for you. And so I want you to understand, maybe you feel that, 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 that shame or that guilt and it's tying you back, but Jesus gives you grace today and he offers you. He says, today's a new day where you can step and blaze a new trail for your marriage or for your relationships. You don't have to stay in the past anymore and tied to your regret. You have a new day right here in front of you. So step into that. Don't let the enemy hold you captive any longer in, when it comes to your sexuality. You can break those chains when you accept the grace that God gives you. Know that he's forgiven you and he's paved a way for you to walk into. Because today is a new day. And because of that, ultimately we have to make a decision. We have to make a decision. We have to decide what you want your story to say. You have to decide what you want your story to say. You know, I think we just have to realize that our decisions decide our story. And maybe you're single today. And I would ask you, what do you want your story to say as a single person? Because you do realize that maybe at one point in your life, you'll meet that person you want to spend the rest of your life with, and you're going to have to tell them your story. And so what do you want it to say? Do you want it to say, you know, I had casual sex all the time, and I had sex with multiple partners, but let me tell you, now I'm committed to you. Or do you want your story to say, you know, I, I might have made some mistakes, but I made a commitment to hold myself and to pray for you, and I knew God was going to bring somebody into my life that I could give all of me to all of them. Single person, what do you want your story to say? Married couples, what do you want the story of your marriage to say? Yeah, I know it might be rocky. And I know you might be battling and fighting. And there's not much left to hold on to. But what do you want the story of your marriage to say? Do you want it to say, you know, it got rough and it got hard and we just decided to throw in the towel and now we're divorced and we get to see our kids when we can and, 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 and Thanksgiving and holidays are weird? Is that what you want your story to say? Or do you want your story to say, you know what, it got really hard and there were times where I wanted to give up, but I experienced through the work of Jesus Christ grace and forgiveness and now we have victory in our marriage because it has, it's been the best it's ever been. Today's a new day for your marriage. What do you want that story to say? And ultimately, this really brings us to a bigger decision for all of us. I mean, this series whether it's looking for the right person, whether it's pointing your finger in conflict in our relationships, in all of our relationships, this leads us to really a bigger decision as we wind down this series. In your relationships, in your marriage, in your dating relationships, whether it's a coworker, neighbor, teacher, in all of your relationships, will you choose what's popular and what's easy and go with what culture says? Or will today you say, you know what? I'm going to step in to God's way. I'm going to follow God's path. And I'm going to choose to embrace a new day where God changes my marriage or he changes the way I view sex or he changes how I look for that person. 
Which way will you choose, culture or God's word? Ultimately, that decision is in your hands. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, thank you so much for, for sex. I know, again, that's probably awkward to say, but thank you that you created sex for us to create intimacy in our, in our marriages. And God, I pray for the couple that's struggling. I pray that you would bring restoration, that they would fight, that they would hold on to whatever's left, and that they would experience victory through you, that today would be a new day. I pray for the, the single people, God, who feel the pressure when all their friends are experimenting and having sex, that they would hold true to the truth, that they would realize that saving themselves for their future spouse is the best way. Be with us, God. Guide us, lead us, and direct us. In Jesus' name, amen.